This is The Mitch Gray Show, where we are bringing the art of humanity back to leadership. Subscribe to The Mitch Gray Show wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Mitch Gray Media, where you'll find each of our episodes and other resources that will equip, inspire, and empower you to lead well. And now, The Mitch Gray Show. What is up, brothers and sisters? Welcome to The Mitch Gray Show. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're growing that and uh, would love your support there. Most of our um, episodes of The Mitch Gray Show go on our YouTube channel. So today I have another great guest in store for you. Um, As usual, our pre-show conversations are amazing and we've had a few of them. So Mr. Jim Knight is joining us today. Jim, welcome to the show, brother. Thanks, man. I don't know why you don't record those those uh, pre-events because those are some pretty good conversations. That in itself could have been a show. I, I really need to because every single guest, it's the same. We come up with the same thing, and I'm the guy that's been doing this for you know almost a decade now, and still hasn't recorded a pre-show conversation. Yeah. So you would think one day I'll learn, man. Yes, one day yeah. I will learn. Um, some of us are hard-headed, I guess. So. <laughs> All good. We're happy now, and I'm happy to be here. I'm actually honored, man. Thanks so much for having me on. Thanks, brother. Jim, uh, you're a keynote speaker, author, podcaster, entrepreneur, um, helping businesses amp up their results and attain rock icon status. I want to say you have a new book out, Leadership That Rocks. Um, You have a podcast, Thoughts That Rock, and then your marketing business, Bookstar, PR, which I will full disclosure, I will uh, admit to the people that I'm a part of your um, PR firm, been under that, and it's it's rocked. It is rocked. It it's been awesome. So, um, Jim, I like to start with a big question. So here is the big question. Your big Uh-oh. mantra is leadership that rocks, culture that rocks, everything rocks. So how does leadership relate to a rock concert. If we're going to say things rock, what does that look like when you're dealing with leadership? Yeah, great question. Uh, You know, I would probably say if I was, if I was to start off thinking just my background, because it's in music, you know, I have a music degree. I spent 21 years running training and development at Hard Rock International. Um, I just, I, I feel like I've been dunked in the spirit of rock and roll. And so, Almost everything I'm going to do has some type of music orientation. I love doing band and brand analogies because I assume most of the people that are listening, you know, are are fans of music of some sort. Doesn't have to necessarily be rock and roll, but they love music. And I think when you start to think about being in in a team at, at a company, some type of a business and everything that comes with that, like the camaraderie, the team building, even the conflict, you know, when you're when you've got compassion for somebody else. Or, or even if you're trying to collaborate, like all of those things, it's the exact same thing when right. it gets to being in a band. So I do like to start thinking in those terms. And so once I, I have used the that rocks sort of moniker in just about everything that I do, now I put it through the lens of music. And so leadership that rocks for me, you know, I, I think everybody wants to get to the top. They, they don't want to just be a one hit wonder. They're always trying to get their company, their brand, even if it's a personal brand, how do I get to the absolute best? How do I find rock stars, you know, the, the top talent that you can find? So again, you can sort of see, I love to pull on the levers of that music analogy, but from a leadership standpoint, who doesn't want to work in an environment where it rocks? And, and I should say also, as part of that answer, it doesn't necessarily have to be like full on head banging, you know, loud, fast, 
over the top grandiose like I tend to get. It could also be cool and quiet yeah. and yeah. subtle. You know, the rock ballad is just as important as the the crazy ender before you jump into the encore. So I think there's a lot of easy analogies. I'll start with that broad concept, but for me, it's just worked. And I think it's, it's part of my edutainment, if I will. Yeah. I love that, man. I, yeah. Um, everyone knows that every rose has its thorn and that those ballads yeah. are uh, kind of the key that opens the door. They're like the permissive songs that let the anthems uh, kind of come out and play. Right. Yeah. Well, the anthems don't mean anything unless you do have every once in a while an occasional, you got to, you know, first off, no concert ever ends with the rock ballad. So, right. you know, you've got that moment. <laughs> and you know, we used to do the big lighter. It was like, and we'd yeah. all sit there and relish yeah. the moment. Now everybody uses their phone cameras, but no, no concert ever ends. It's a moment for you right. to sit back, lean right. into it and go, man, remember the good old days. And you remember where you were when you first heard the song or, or who you were hanging out with or who you were making out with. Like, that's a cool moment. But then right afterwards, here we go. It rams yes. back up to the killer song that you remember. So, yes. you, and, and honestly, that's a cool leadership analogy as well. Like if, if you expected a certain type of leadership style or how you want to be communicated, how you want to be rewarded and recognized, you're going to be different than the guy or girl next to you. So mm. as a leader, I got to figure out what is it that's going to, to, to do it for you? How can I absolutely rock your world? And it might be, I got to be quick and fast and inspirational, but this kid over here, I, I got to hold back and I got to let them do the majority of the talking, or I got to maybe prop them up in front of other people. So again, it's sort of like a, a, a set list, if you will, at a yes. rock show, I got to pick different moments because that's what it requires for this person at this moment. Ah, I love that. So tied to that, you had all these years at Hard Rock Cafe, you know, pretty much if I understand right, kind of traveled the world training people yep. and, and you're still you know, even though quite a few years ago you moved away from that, you kind of leveraged that into speaking, consulting, entrepreneurialism. What really kind of motivated you to go, okay, been in this corporate life, learned all some really cool stuff, met a lot of great people. What motivated you to kind of take what you learned and begin manifesting it in a way that you felt people could relate to? Yeah, great point. Uh, you know, I think I, I felt like I was pretty mediocre at a lot of stuff. I, I think I really had one awesome strength, and that was I, I could I could influence people when I'm in front of them. So whether it was video or some e-learning course, but definitely you know platform speaking. If I could be in front of some humans, I felt like I could influence them to do the things that I needed them to do. And for me, in a lot of cases, it was a preordained result. Like I knew I needed them to to, to absolutely rock. A, 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 an individual or a company's world that was based off of human behavior. So I felt like internally at Hard Rock, I was fairly good at that. Um, but then it, I got to a point, and actually there were several reasons why I ultimately decided to do what I'm doing now. One is I felt like I wanted to write a book. I wanted to get something down in print. And if I was ever going to do that, if I did it while I was working there, it would have been sort of a work for hire that, you know, they would, the hard rock would have owned that book. Right. It, it probably would have been a, you know, a, a property of theirs. So, you know, and that, that's a little bit more of a tangible side, but honestly, I, I had an awesome team. I had nine, eight or nine people that were working for me who I would say half of them were promotable. 
And I was at that time a senior director. I moved my, you know, I started off as a host. My hair didn't go up, by the way, for those that are actually watching us on the YouTube channel. I got some spiky hair and I actually just got a haircut. So it's usually like an inch higher than this. Yeah, it's, it's, only, about, then, it's only about seven inches today. About it's seven inches. It's yeah. usually about 12 and a half, 13 inches, right? <laughs> uh, but back in the day, back in the 90s, I had a mullet. So I could sit on my hair. My hair was so long. And so we, we all sort of had that, that hairstyle back then. And, uh, you know, it was just a kid seating tables and, and ultimately worked my way up. But when I left Hard Rock in 2012, you know, I'm looking at this team of people and I'm like, man, they're all promotable. They're all managers. I'd like to get somebody to be a director or take over my role. I'm probably in the way. I've been there for two decades. Mm -hmm. But the main reason was that I was fairly, I would say, well known in food and beverage. I, I was actually already starting to speak on the side. I never took the money. I did charge people, but I gave the money to Hard Rock. So I became a revenue generating initiative, which by the way, never happens in training and development. We spend right. money. Right. So the fact that I was actually bringing money to the bottom line was actually pretty cool, yeah. but it fed the beast in me. And what, what I started to do, which is kind of where your question started with, I got to the point that I, I didn't want to just do what I could here in, in a horizontal way. I wanted to go vertical. I wanted to start facilitating and speaking and sharing some of these concepts mm -hmm. around leadership, employee engagement, service, culture, these things that I knew fairly well. Could I take that to, to banking, to insurance, mm -hmm. to, to real estate, to funeral directors, which are some of my biggest clients? So really, it, it's sort of a combination. It was, I wanted to give somebody else a chance. I, I'd sort of won as many awards as we possibly could with me being there um, I felt like, let me jump ship and go and do this and see if I could take this into other industries. And so far, uh, I've been very lucky for the last 10 years to make this my career. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's, uh, you know, what I, what I like people to really hear in those stories and, and kind of the phrase I always use is no one arrived today by accident. There's a path and opportunities and various, some controllable, some uncontrollable that brought us where we are today. And yeah. What I love about the human story and what you just shared is, is the underlying foundation is having the courage and the audacity to kind of take that reflection and go, you know what, I'm going to try something else and I'm going to see if it works in the world. And not enough people give themselves the permission to do that for a variety of reasons. And so, um, number one, thank you for being a human that summon the courage to go, yeah, I'm going to give it a shot. And, and secondly, for having the audacity to share that story, we need more people doing that, man. Yeah. I'm not sure my family would agree with you. You know, <laughs> I was, I was pretty happy. Uh, you know, I was making a good salary. We had good benefits and it was free food and it was just, you know, to, to leave and to tell your, your significant other, I'm going to go do this. And and they're going, what you're, you're leaving all of that. And somebody's going to pay you to go and speak. And right. it can be quite lucrative. I mean, I've moved into some other areas, but really the essence of your question is I, I really thought that I could make a, I, I needed a louder voice on the planet. Um, I really want to take a chance. And now I honestly think what I'm doing right now is what I'm going to be doing the, the rest of my life. And so I'm not sure there's a lot of people who could say that. But by the way, everything that I've done, whether it was my music degree, you know, six years as a public middle school teacher, those two to three decades in hospitality, like I still put all of that together yes. in what I'm yes. doing. So I, I needed all that. Yes. I don't regret any of that. But what I'm doing now for the second half of my life, 
um, I feel like I, I've sort of stepped uh, the, the, the right stepping studs. It's now my yeah. stairway to heaven, if you will. I love it. Yeah. We're going to keep throwing those subtle little uh, plugs in for the you listeners. Have to, right? I kind of have to. <laughs> I mean, it's a theme, right? Yes. Um, I want to go back to something you said a minute ago, and, and we kind of have something, another topic that we talked about that we're going to bridge, bridge into, because I really want, I think we can give some value to the people, but I want to go back to something you said, and, and I'm going to take it from the perspective of a set list. And for those listeners that don't understand, you know, as musicians, you don't show up 10 minutes. Well, I'll say that most okay. successful musicians don't show up to a show 10 minutes before and say, what are we playing? Um, I'll, I'll leave that out. You know, you got your blues guys, which that's one of my favorite genres. Um, sometimes the blues guys can just show up and play and that's awesome. Right. But but there is strategy behind a set list, kind of what you were alluding to. And there's songs that you place for certain reasons, whether that's kind of energy, whether it's fan response. Oftentimes in a set list, you'll put alternatives there in case, you know, if the crowd goes one direction, you're going to go this direction to follow that. Sometimes you do it for vocal reasons, et cetera, for people that yeah. don't know. That is very apropos to what I call alignment, especially when you're talking about being a leader who... Uh, has a team of people, multiple responsibilities and jobs. And so my question is, when we're comparing the strategy of a set list to alignment is, from your perspective, how important is that alignment? I call it getting the right people on the right seat and the right bus. Yeah. Um, how important is that? And then secondly, tap into a little bit, maybe some applicable ways that a leader can make sure that they have their people aligned in the right positions and, and making sure the set list is going to go as advantageous as possible? Yeah. So, I mean, it's a great question. And I think if anybody saw any of the content that I provided in any of the programs, different platforms, I'm, I'm probably going to say out loud. And I believe this, that everything is predicated on human behavior. Yes, so yes. if you start with that mentality you know, now everything else sort of starts great word, by the way, the alignment, everything starts to align because if you put all of your recruiting, hiring, interviewing skills, if, if even in the way that you train and communicate and develop, even at the tail end of that employee life cycle, how you reward and recognize and inspire and motivate and even separate from somebody like I believe along that entire continuum, if you had really good strategies in place, really good activities, you almost can't go wrong. I, I, I don't want to say you fake yourself into leadership, but I'm a systems guy. And I think the more that you yeah. put into place, the better off you're going to be. However, th th this stuff only is as good as the person that you're going to put into the, right. this, this entire continuum. So right. I, I honestly believe the greatest thing that a leader could do is to go out there and seek and hunt for and onboard rock stars, the absolute best mm -hmm. talent. Knowing Phil well, by the way, there's not going to be enough of them out there. You're probably going to hire some mediocrity. There are a couple of people that you need to hire that are just soldiers. You know, I'd hate to say that they're just filling positions, but man, it should be, it should, it should hurt if you hired somebody and they really don't fit the brand. It's a necessary evil. Yes. You've got them in there, yes. but the majority of the time, I don't care what you're doing when you're out eating, drinking, shopping, playing, staying wherever you should be looking. Where is the top talent that I can coerce, that I can convince, I'm going to have to pay them a little bit more money, maybe a little bit more love to get them to come and work for me. Because those rock stars, that stuff becomes infectious. The more of those people that you get, you're going to be in a much better place as a leader. You, you don't have to sit there and figure out every time you look at the list of who's working in a shift and go, great, 
I got to deal with with this slacker over here. I know where my energy is going to be. They'll they'll manage each other. They'll self police. They'll even vote each other off the island. Yes. So, yeah. you know, if everything's predicated on human behavior, which by the way, and I know you know this, Mitch, everything is learned behavior. Yes, everybody is the way they are because they learned it. There is nobody on this planet that is born to act and behave a certain way. That's the difference between us and the rest of the animal kingdom, right? You learn everything from your parents, from school, from the playground, from your friends, from religion, from lack of religion. By the time you come to me as some 19, 20 year old kid, you're the way you are. And if your natural disposition isn't to, you know, smile and have a good personality and want to be around other humans, that's going to be a problem for me. And I used to think I was a pretty good trainer. I can tell you for a fact, I can't train you to smile. You can't, I can't train, train you to have a good personality. Train, you can't train people out of bad behavior. No, that it is doesn't work. In that. Doesn't now, if they choose to do it, that's yes. different. If they yes. come to some epiphany and the light bulb goes off and maybe you and I have a great trust factor and you're like, you know what? I do want to do great for this guy or this brand. Fine. Yes. But yes. that's energy and it's work and they actually have to break those bad habits. We know this. This is this is human 101, right? right. right. So the goal should be out of everything that I do, you want to be first to the market. You want to focus on your product. You want to focus on the environment and the lights and the music and the yeah, 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 yes. Do all that stuff. But honestly, the goal should be number one, I got to go and find some awesome people because mm-hmm. if I can do that, everything else is going to fall into line. So I'm not even sure if I answered your question, but I would say that the most important thing is knowing that it's about the people. That's, that's mission. Number one is go out there and find. And then when you get them into the system, love on them, inspire them, motivate them, reward them, recognize them so that they don't go somewhere else. Um, I think you did answer the question. And what I love about your response, first of all, you and I know this about each other. It's the exact response I would give because it's the response I have given the world in my content and my latest book. It's word for word things that that I believe in. And I, I think what the listeners could potentially be chuckling about is I say this almost every single show is the magic The magic of energy is when you're clear on what you want and need, you attract the things and the people that align with you. And this show is evidence of that. The guest I've had on for the last year, it's this, it's like, it's a mirror impact. And I've not gone and searched for people that think exactly like me, but that really alludes to exactly what you're saying is that if you want to operate a successful organization, then you have to be at a place energetically, emotionally, spiritually, physically, that you're ready to attract the people that are going to bring success. You're calling them rock stars. Yeah. And I love that. The other reason I do believe you answered the question is you have to proactively find those people. Yeah. Like if you just depend on those rock stars to knock on your door, that's not going to happen 95% of the time. And the, and the 5% of the time that it does happen, it's just that you got really lucky. So go buy a lottery ticket. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the days of them just showing up and filling out an application or, Doesn't happen. or CV, they're, they're gone. The, those days are done. You know, you, you still do them. Okay. Because like you said, you might get lucky. You have to be on the hunt. And, yes. and as if I was the entrepreneur, if I actually had a business where I had multiple managers, that would be my, my marching orders for them. They yes, have to yes. go out when they're out. When you go to eat, drink, shop, stay, play, do whatever, start looking because that that's more important than us doing a job fair or waiting for people to walk in. It's just, it's a different mentality than 20, 30 years ago. You should be training your rock star employees to recruit. 
Yeah. You should be training your rock star customers and clients to recruit. Yes. Because if you've built an ecosystem and a culture that is empowering and that people love to work with and for, they are going to be your best recruiters, bar none. Absolutely. I agree. So let's go into um, we're kind of we're kind of talking about this and, and I'm even more um, affirmed in what we talked about pre-show. The last 18 months, man, for all of us, let's just give all of ourselves some grace <laughs> and some compassion and and, and support uh, for each other and for ourselves. And, and the thing that you and I've talked about quite a bit is the stress level of, of leadership is there, period. I, I like to tell people leadership is a burden. It yeah. is. You get to choose how you carry that burden. The last 18 months has made leadership an even greater burden because people have felt, you know, compassionate leaders have felt the impact of having to lay people off, yeah. of having to kickstart their business again. Um, small businesses especially have felt a major tidal wave impact economically, emotionally, spiritually. And so the idea that you and I've talked about is how in the world, now that we're stepping back into some regularity of sorts, how in the world can a leader bring some fun to the table, some lightheartedness to the table? We're talking about rock concerts and cool anthems and, you know, and, and out hunting for those rock stars. But at the end of the day, if no one's enjoying what they're doing, then yeah. it all becomes really trivial really quickly. And so what are some thoughts that you have, you know, coming in from the last 18 months, maybe how leaders can adapt, can bring that, you know, more, more uh, even though they're in high pressure situations to lower the stress and just make it a place kind of a respite for their people. Yeah, great, great question. And I, I am with you, man, 100%. I mean, it's got to be super tough for a lot of these, these, uh, I, I would say all of the employees. Now, I, I will segment a little bit. I would say that the leaders, they're humans too. They're going to yes. have, they, they have their own stress going on. But I think this is the difference between, and, and probably part of the reason you are a leader is that you can sort of, you, you know, you can be the bubble. You, you can take a lot of the, the hits, if you will. You're still perhaps going to be stressed, but it's the old never let them, you know, see a sweat. You're going to leave yeah. all that garbage at home, whatever emotion is going on and really focus on the rest of the team. Now, having said that, you know, I just put it out there because I know what I will say is, you know, we, we need that as leaders as well. But the majority mm -hmm. of the time, there's a reason why you're in that role. But I think there's a lot that you could do. And, and honestly, now it might be that, you know, maybe the business has changed, that you're having to do all this from a distance, which now doing leadership from a distance is a different animal. Yes. It might be that you're allowed to give people some flexibility, some flex hours. Maybe they're able to work from home. Just remembering that, you know, the fact that they've been having to teach kids at home, the fact that they've been laid off or furloughed, um, the fact that, quite honestly, customers are ruder today than ever before. You know, and, they, and we were and always they expect taught. more. They, they do expect more. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I, but I think as a leader, so here's where I, I, I would say. You know, it's the old the customer's always right. I do think the consumer, the guest, the end user, whoever that is. We could still pretend that they're going to be right, but yes. but to have some decency and they're not going to be cussing at my employees and screaming at them at the top of their lungs. This is where I, as a leader, if I can get in between and handle all that, I will usually come out of those situations in a very positive way. But it might not be necessarily so for the other a junior manager or for the employees. Right. Having said that, though, you're right. 
customers expect a little bit more. So if it were me, it blows my mind that we're still in some businesses, some were completely not even open for a year, year and a half. Right. And yet they, they've opened their doors. And now, and I particularly see it in hospitality. It's laissez-faire. I don't have the right people. They, there's no sense of urgency, no attention to detail. Well, then I do actually blame the business. I'm like, are you kidding me? You haven't had any sales for a year and a half. Let's bend right. over backwards knowing that people need, you know, for the most part, I don't want to say every company, but for the most part, the businesses I've been involved with, people are using disposable income. Mm-hmm. Yes. Unless you're the yes. only one around, nobody needs you. We right. totally need right. the customer more than they need us. So I, I, I just don't get that we have people that are still in some of these service-oriented positions that don't really want to do everything they can to make the, the guests or the consumer happy. I would be doing everything possible. And having said that, people are ruder today than ever before because of their expectations, because they're also stressed and frustrated from home. I, I get all that. Yeah. As a leader, I go, what can I do? I'm going to back yes. my people up. I'm going to support them if somebody is breaking our our value orientation or treating them with really bad disrespect. I'm going to have the employees back. Boy, that goes a long way in a leadership role. I'm going to look for opportunities perhaps to implement, if I didn't already have them in place, communication forums. Could I sit around and look for opportunities for people to give me feedback and tell me how things are going? Not just at work. I mean, that would be good to nip some things in the bud, but what's going on at home? Like, you know, I've seen that's out there that there are people that get frustrated when the boss doesn't even say good morning or goodbye to them. And I was probably one of those people every once in a while, I really would try and get from my car to my computer without making eye contact. You know what happens, right, Mitch? If you ask somebody how their weekend is, they actually talk back. They're like, oh yeah, this is what happened. There goes 30 minutes of your life. But now I'm a firm believer that those quality conversations are some of the best that you could ever do get them to come back, to feel very comfortable. Listen, we're going to spend the majority of our time at work more than anything else, more than sleeping, hanging out with your kids, your significant other, you're going to be working at a job. Why not make that fun? You know, like the word that Mm -hmm. you said, I'd be looking to do games and contests, like some of them with some type of a prize, you know, some of them are nothing but just goofiness. I remember hard rock. I worked in, so I'm, I'm in central Florida. And uh, hot as all get out. And I remember literally on days that we're pumping 7,000 people a day doing $35,000 hours, which might not mean a lot to a lot of people, but that is unheard of in the That's restaurant world. Huge volume. One of huge the busiest volume. restaurants yeah. in the world. <laughs> right. And so I, as a manager, uh, I, I would have maybe a hundred people that would be on staff. And so one day we just decided whoever the manager was, the GM at that point said, tomorrow, everybody wears sunglasses. So we had all the employees wearing sunglasses walking around. And so here was the goal. You had to go through the entire shift without the sunglasses coming off. And if you were caught touching your glasses or adjusting them, then you had to take them off and you were out. Whoever was left standing at the end, we're going to win, I don't know, a case of beer, or maybe it's lotto tickets, or we we're giving them cash or whatever. Yeah. And so all day long, people are laughing. And now you're getting the customers to get involved. Yes. We're all sweating and running around. Yes. They're helping you. You're explaining them what's going on. They're pushing up the glasses for you. It was an absolute fest all day long. We were laughing so hard. It had nothing to do with the business. It had everything to do with the environment, the culture that that manager created. And so I'm going, what type of contests and games could I 
Can I take them team building? Can I go yes, go-karting yes. with a couple of people? Can I go bowling, which is like the number one team building event in corporate America? I'm like, yeah. it doesn't matter if you're awesome or if you suck at bowling. People love doing it. And you put a little bit of bowling pizza and a few drinks and man, high fives and hugs yeah. and love and everything else goes on. You know, it's, I, I just think there's, there's a lot of ways, whether doing meetings in a different place, maybe going outside, getting a corporate dog. Uh, uh, having family days, inviting, you know, a, a kid's day where they could come in, maybe doing a boss swap, let the boss do employee level positioning mm -hmm. and somebody, mm -hmm. you know, some, maybe an up and coming leader, they're the boss for the day. Like, I just think there's so many cool things, maybe from a philanthropic standpoint, I call them random acts of rock, but random acts of kindness. What are some things that we could go and do and give back to somebody that's less fortunate? You know, there, there's some things I've been very lucky in my first book, and I'll sort of wrap up the, the answer here. My first book was around culture. And I know your book also has a lot to deal with culture. If you want to create a culture that rocks, there are so many things that you could do. But I have one chapter that talks about, you know, using the, the experiential fund that we do for customers. Can I do that internally? Yes. Can I use that as a weapon really to for retention, to get people to have less stress, to have fun, to want to be around me, to just think, I'm all that as a leader yeah. and I probably have 30, 40 things in there. And I guarantee you companies that will read that they're not going to do all those things. And some of them cost money, but the majority of them don't. It's just a mindset. What could I do to make my team members to fall madly in love with me? And so th there's a laundry list of things that I could probably share. And in fact, if you wanted to, I could send that to your audience and we can put it in the show notes. But th those are the types of things that I think, what could I do today to make it absolutely fun for the team, knowing full well, they're dealing with a lot of stuff at home. So it's not going to work for everybody, but I think people that develop that, that environment, that safe space, like you used in, in our pre-discussion, yeah. it's a respite from yeah. the day-to-day -day slog that they're having to deal with all the time. Wow. Um, I know I said a lot there. Sorry for the long answer. No, no apologies. I want to tell the listeners that um, if, if you didn't catch all that, re-listen to the last five minutes because <laughs> that was filled with some incredible um, practical put into practice now stuff. And, and, and I want to draw a parallel. It's not, it's not only about your employees. We, we, we positioned the question and the idea we talked about before the show was how can leaders create an atmosphere that's more engaging and fun all the yeah. time, but especially now. But I want to point out and draw the parallel because you alluded to it. If you're in a service industry, which in my opinion, every, every industry is service industry. I just sure. know some, some industries, I don't deal directly with a customer necessarily. Right. Yeah. But if you were in that industry of any sort and you're dealing with clients or customers, the parallel is not just making it a respite for your team. But making it a respite, you know, I, I told my barber one time, he was like, because he, he's actually building his business. And so I was actually doing some coaching with him and helping him kind of get mm. next level. And he uh, he goes, Mitch, the, the, the point I was making to him kind of in that time was, you know, your, your place is a really special place. And you need to look at it as a leader and an owner as my barber shop is special. And that helps you create this energy that people enjoy. And he goes, well, why do you come here? I said, honestly, because every two weeks, that is the most relaxing 45 minutes of my week. Yeah. Those clippers on my head, I mean, it's just like being at the spa kind of, and he's really cool to talk to. 
And he was like, so you actually like to come get your haircut because it's relaxing. And he had never considered that. And so the point of that story is, is it's not just making it a respite for your team, but it's actually this idea of getting the customers involved. And if you want to, to de-escalate the stress of your customer, get them involved in the process and the fun. Because yeah. once they see that everyone is human, everyone's on the same level, that de-escalates so many situations. Yeah. You know, and there's another thing uh, that you could do, not just getting the customers, the end user involved, but getting the employees involved with each other. Yes. And I remember there's a, there's a program that we put into place. Of course, everything I've used every iteration of the word rock and roll. We had a program <laughs> called the U rock program, but anybody could do this. It's basically peer to peer recognition. Yeah. We put together like a little pad that basically said you rock. And it just had, you know, the, the person's name that you were recognizing and why. And basically, it, it, this, this was not for managers to use it with the team members. It was for employees to use it yeah, with peer each to other. Peer. Yeah. peer to peer. So a team member would just say, man, I'm so happy you helped me do whatever today or save me some time or did my side work or whatever it was. And they filled it out. And it used to be that we created it so that it would be folded up, put in a in like a suggestion box mm-hmm. so that we could help decide who was going to be employee of the month. So it, it was very it was set up as a program, but here's what happened. People started to not put them in the box and started just taping them up on the back area, like where the employees hang out. And then it took on a life of its own. So there were, there are some hard rocks that still implement something like that. And literally hallways are just filled with U rock Mm. pads, pieces of paper. So there are companies that actually do this now, but you can do it cheapy cheap on your own. The, The fact that you're allowing your employees that those peers to recognize each other you can pretty much get out of the way once it really is, yes, if it's authentic, yes, if yes. it's real, that they, they know that perhaps maybe the information, you know, the, the recognition you might be doing in front of everybody. Although I think most people like public recognition, but there are right, some that right. don't like that. Right. Boy, it's a big deal when you get recognized by somebody else on the team. So I, I would encourage any of your listeners, if they're in a leadership role, you can implement it, but then you got to get out of the way and just let it, let it do its thing. And it will take off if it's done authentically. That, that is the epitome of a sustainable culture yeah. that empowers people and ignites success because, because it does become authentic. And, as, and that's, that's the, also the epitome of working yourself out of a job yes. as a leader, which should be your ultimate be goal. The goal. That's and right. so I love that, man. I love it. Hey, um, we've kind of, we've kind of rocked on here with, with uh, time. So yes. You've alluded to culture that rocks, and I love that. Give people a little synopsis of leadership that rocks, and also um, your podcast uh, with Brant, your thoughts that rock podcast. Give people a little synopsis of those. Sure. I'll start with the book. So, so my first book was called Culture That Rocks, but it was a hardcover. It's color. I wrote it about eight years ago. And so what I've done is I've deconstructed that book. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was dense. I've had a lot of people that, that love it and I'm so thankful for it, but it's got some autobiographical stuff about me. It's got obviously some hard rock eddies and currents, but it is about culture. And that is such a broad nebulous term. And I, yeah. I put a lot of stuff in there, but the main tenets were around leadership, service and engagement. Mm. So I'm actually now writing three books. They're thinner. Uh, they're black and white. They're a lot cheaper. The first one is, is leadership that rocks. And if you look the very top here, it's, uh, the, it has the number one culture that rocks. This is the first in the series. 
So I'll have the second one come out next year around service and then engagement in the third one. But basically, if you put them together, it would make up the essence of my first book. And it gave me an excuse to have a few more relevant stories. I talked about people, but literally being, as you know, speaking in front of all these companies that you get exposed to, there are brands and companies that from a culture and a leadership standpoint, oh my gosh, I have fallen in love with them. So I want to try and, and now make it a little bit more relevant. Um, so both of those books are available wherever you want to get it. Um, you know, and I drive everybody to my website, which is Night Speaker, my last name, K-N-I-G-H-T, nightspeaker.com. You can pretty much see everything you want there from the books and my programs. But the last thing that you mentioned is uh, the podcast that I do with my good friend, Brant Menswar. And the name of that podcast is Thoughts That Rock, of course. Uh, but it's basically about providing great pieces of advice, the best pieces of advice that you can get. And we try and do that in about 30 minutes. So we've had some pretty influential, pretty well-known celebrities on there. Um, it almost doesn't matter how big a name they are. That might right. get the hook for you to listen. Right. But we've had our next door neighbor. We've had people on our team be on there. As long as they've got a great piece of advice and we give them a corresponding thought to go with it. So really get two pieces of advice in about 30 minutes. It is just, it, again, it's edutainment at its best. So we get goofy on there, but I think most people tune in to, to just make their lives, you know, a little bit more amped up a little bit better. Yeah. I love it, man. I love it. We're going to so, have, we need to have you on there as a guest at some point. Yes. Man. Yes. Let's make it happen. Let, uh, let's, well, I, I think we'll, uh, maybe we can make it a smoother transition than you and I had getting, Yes, <laughs> life happened when we were trying to get this interview, man. And that's, that's, um, kind of goes to my last thought. Um, and, and really this is, this is kind of the underlying point that you've made through the whole show. And that's, our mantra for the Mitch Gray show, bringing the art of humanity back to leadership. And yeah, that's exactly what you're talking about. And you've said it a million times. It's a phrase that I also use a lot and that is human behavior. And if we can just all take that deep breath and just remind ourselves that server that's helping you is human. Yeah. Um, that, that if you're a leader, leader listening to the show, you're a CEO, you know, entrepreneur, solopreneur, whatever, give yourself some grace Give yourself yeah. some compassion. Life, life is about practice, not perfection. That's and right. All those stories you've been giving us today, that's exactly what you're saying. And so thank you for sharing that and, and giving us some good stuff. So what's the one thought you want to leave the people with, brother, before we uh, sign off? No, man, I appreciate a bunch, you know, and I know that you and I live in, in sort of an entrepreneurial space and uh, we get a chance to do this as our own bosses. There's probably a lot of people that don't get a chance to do that. And that's why you've probably had a lot of leadership speakers in the past. There, there's certainly not a shortage of it, but I, I really do believe this. I think that everybody, you know, I, I think a single person who has a great idea can start a revolution. Yes. And yes. that's how, that's how dictator led countries are overthrown. That's how philanthropic movements are started. That's how churches are started. That's how businesses get better, you know, and, and cultures get amped up. You've got to bring your yourself, your full authentic self to the party. And if you have any, love at all for the business that you're working in, even if you're maybe an up and coming leader, or maybe you just feel like I'm just a team member. I'm just trying to make a little bit of scratch over the summer. That's fine, but you're going to spend the majority of your time there. So if you've got great ideas, you, you need to bring them to the party yes. and share it. And then you yes. know what happens? You get more responsibilities, you get promoted. And all of a sudden the things that were just in your, your circle of concern that you cared about, but you never could do anything about it. Now they're in your circle of influence. Your influence and impact ha has really grown. So 
I am always interested in, in surrounding myself with an army of promotable people. And how you get yeah. there is you got to have people that have that mindset. Single person, great ideas. They can start a revolution. That's how the greatest songs were written. That's right. We'll circle back to where we started. That's how the greatest songs were written. One of my favorite artists is Bob Marley. And you talk about a single person that started a revolution, man. That dude oh, yeah. touched generations to come. Um, so, yeah, I love it, brother. Thanks so much, Jim, for being on the Mitch Gray Show. Um, folks, please go check out his book anywhere you can buy books, both Culture That Rocks. and Culture That Rocks is still in publication, correct? Sure is. It okay, is. so you can buy Culture That Rocks anywhere and Leadership That Rocks. Subscribe to the Thoughts That Rock podcast. We'll have all those links in the show notes and on Jim's profile page. Make sure you subscribe to The Mitch Grace Show anywhere you listen to podcasts and spread the word. We need that single person with a single idea to help us spread the word to get the message out to the masses. So, Jim, thanks for coming on the show again. And uh, brothers and sisters, we hope that you're in a place of peace. And if you are not and ever need to reach out, it's been a few episodes since I've said this, but folks like Jim and myself and all of the guests on our show are willing to uh, connect with you in the best way they can. And we're all just humans doing the best we can. So make sure you reach out for any support that you need and we'll, we'll either help you or send you to someone that can. So no doubt. hope you have a great day and we will talk to you soon. Rock on.